All right, here we go. Oh, last time we covered, uh, oh, we covered uh, in the book of Mark here, and it's just flat out history. This you know, Matthew, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and even that book of Acts. That's basically the same thing as Genesis, all the way through. Oh, uh, 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 you you can still pick it up with Ezra and Esther, all the way up to the book of Psalms. You say, well, Nehemiah, no, uh, Nehemiah was a cupbearer. He was a mayor. <laughs> he was not a prophet. Uh, go to Nehemiah, or whatever. He's not a prophet. He was a mayor of a town. Ezra was a priest. He wasn't even a prophet either. He just wrote the historical stuff that happened. They came back and rebuilt that wall there. Nehemiah, that was the wall around, uh, rebuilt the temple, excuse me. Uh, Nehemiah, they built the wall around the city. Esther, they're still out in whatever land. They're almost going to have mass execution in the, in the, the, the Medes and the Chaldeans. And then you got a, a historic book about Job right there. And which uh, that didn't last, but you read it for yourself and you count how long you think it lasts. About a month, maybe? I don't think it lasts that long because his friends showed up. What did they do? Stay there for months on end, sitting in the dirt in the backyard? That had to happen so fast, probably within three or four weeks. Anyway, in the book of Psalms, from here on out, these are little agents that spoke uh, about what happened during those first 20 something books. You know, they tell you right off the bat. So all of a sudden, we pick up with. One of these books, um, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, and we've picked up with Mark, and we've already got all the way to chapter, beginning of chapter 4. So here we go. Chapter 4, start verse 1. Once again, an immense crowd uh, gathered around him on the beach as he was teaching. Now, we just said uh, he, uh, he was at the beach just a few minutes ago, a few days ago, whatever. And boy, Jesus loaded up Peter's boat, didn't he? All right, here we go. As he was teaching, so he got in the boat and sat down and talked from there. It's, it's kind of interesting. Remember, no microphones, no nothing, okay? But you know, it's kind of interesting. Have you ever been on the water? You sit out there at the dock and you can hear people talking. Hey, Bill, hand me another beer out of the cooler. <laughs> you can hear it, you know. Why, well, that boat's way over there, so it's kind of it's neat. All right, verse 2. His usual, usual method of teaching was to tell the people stories. One of them went like this. Finally, we get to hear a story. We've been watching him heal. We've been saying he teaches. We've been saying him cast out demons and stuff. And here, We're getting a message. Here, look at this. Listen, a farmer decided to sow some grain. As he scattered it across his field, some of it fell on a path, and the birds came and picked it off the hard ground and ate it. Some fell on thin soil with underlying rock. It grew up quickly enough. But soon wilted beneath the hot, uh, hot sun and died because the roots had no nourishment in the shallow soil. Other seed fell among thorns that shot up and crowded the young plants so that they produced no grain. But some seed fell onto good soil and yielded 30 times as much as he had planted, some even 60 or 100 times as much. If you have ears, listen. Well, that's a heads up. Okay, Jesus wanted me to hear the story. Okay, let's keep going. Afterwards, see how it's linked? Afterwards, when he was alone with the 12 and the other disciples, they asked him, what does your story mean? Okay, you think he's lying here? Do you think he's still got some secret? No, he's going to tell them. Matter of fact, it's interesting. If you ask Jesus, he'll get it to you. He replied, you're permitted to know some of the truths about the kingdom of God that are hidden to those outside the kingdom. Kingdom, wow. Though they see and hear, they will not understand or turn, or turn to God or be forgiven for their sins. But if you can't understand this simple illustration, what will you do about all the others I'm going to tell you? Okay. The farmer I talked about is anyone who brings God's message to others trying to plant good seed within their lives. The hard path where some of the seed fell 
represents the hard hearts of those, uh, of some of those who hear God's message. Satan comes immediately to try to make them forget about it. Wow. You know, you can see that in your own life. And you try to tell people about the Lord and stuff like that. It's like, good grief. This goes in one ear and goes out another. There's a reason for that. The rocky soil represents the, hard, the, the hearts of those who hear the message with joy. But like young plants in such soil, their roots don't go down deep. At first, they get along fine. As soon as, 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 soon as persecution begins, they wilt. I, I was where I walk near Aldridge Creek. You know, they got concrete going down to the river down there. Or those, and you'll see in that concrete, you, you see it. You'll, how the heck a pine tree thinks it's going to survive? You know, a little shoot comes out there or even some sort of weeds or whatever. Anyway, the thorny ground represents the hearts of people who listen to God's news, good news, and receive it. But all too quickly, the attractions of this world and delights of wealth and, other, and the search for success, lure of nice things come in and crowd out God's message from their hearts so that there, no crop is produced. But the good soul represents the hearts of those who truly accept God's message and produce a plentiful harvest for God, <clears throat> 30, 60, even 100 times as much as was planted in their hearts. Then he said, when something, then he asked them, when someone lights a lamp, does he put a box over it to shut it out? Of course not. The light couldn't be seen or used. A lamp is placed on a stand to shine to be useful. All that is now hidden will someday come to light. If you have ears, listen, and be sure to put into practice what you hear. The more you do this, the more you'll understand what I tell you. To him who has shall be given, from him who has not shall be taken away, even what he has. Well, so far he's been talking about this good news and stuff. That's where I always, for myself, I'm 60 years old, and I started doing a cram course of just getting as much of the Bible. Not getting a bunch of preachers, but just read as much Bible as I possibly can. Just read the Bible. Read, 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 read. Run across a song one time, and when I was on the radio, I used it for my intro. It was called, You Gotta Read, Read, Read the Word. <laughs> I thought, that was great. Read the Word. Matter of fact, we, our drama team used that several. Great song. All right, here we go. Uh, another story illustrating what the kingdom of God is like. A farmer sowed of his field and went out, and as the days went by, seeds grew and uh, grew without his help. The soil made the seeds grow. First the blade pushed through, then later on the heads of wheat formed, and finally the ripened grain, and the farmer went out at once with his sickle and harvested it. Wow. So in other words, it's just it, the word just works, okay? Look at this. He's still, he's still driving it home. Jesus asked, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What stories shall I use to illustrate it? It's like a tiny mustard seed, though this is the smallest of seeds. Yet it grows to become the greatest of plants with long branches where uh, birds can build their nest and be sheltered. In other words, it looks like it's the most insignificant thing in the world. It can't be that easy, Richard. Yeah, it is. It is. Just like that song, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. He used many illustrations to teach the people as uh, much as they were ready to understand. In fact, he taught only by illustrations in his public teaching, and afterward, when he was alone, his disciples, uh, with his disciples, he would explain the meaning to them. At evening, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they took him just as he was and started out, leaving the crowds behind, though the other boats followed. Now, you're going to see again here, he's not saying much. You're just going to have a historic event. Watch this. Soon a terrible storm arose. Waves began to break into the boat until it was nearly full. This place was about three times as big as Gunnersville Lake. Okay, you see pictures of it. You can see the other side, but it's a long way over there. It's like about six miles. Jesus was asleep 
at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Frantically, they wakened him, shouting, Teacher, don't you even care that we're all about to drown? That's a, that's a you know, reasonable thing to say. But look what happened. Then he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Quiet down. And the wind fell, and there was a great calm. And he asked them, Why are you so fearful? Man, I don't know what we're facing today, but it's the same thing. Look at this. Don't you even yet have confidence in me? Yeah, but the thing is, they had Jesus. Now, whoa, 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 whoa. Since you brought that up, hold on just one second. We'll come right back. Mark 440. Look at Matthew. Look at the last thing he said. Go into all the world. Isn't it right? Make disciples. Look at verse 20. Teach the new disciples to obey my commands I've given you. And be sure of this. <laughs> it's like, God, I feel so guilty. That I am with you always, even to the end of the world. I mean, we are not alone. I mean, without Jesus, you're not. Look at another spot here. Uh, oh, let's see. We're right there. Let's see. I need to go to, well, hang on. Matthew, in Matthew's historical book here, uh, 18, 18, look at this. 19. I tell you this. In other words, he's saying, remember, let's put that in the King James. What is it saying, King James 19? I think it's truly, truly, something like that. No, again, I say to you. So he said it several times before. All right, again, I say to you. Let's put it back in this. I also tell you this. If two of you, well, actually, uh, yeah, well, that's fine. If two of you agree on earth as touching anything, concerning anything you ask for, my Father in heaven will do it for. For where two or three are gathered together because they are mine, I'll be right there among them. Wow. Okay, so he's right there. 440 is where we left off. 440, Mark 440. Why are you so fearful? Don't you even have confidence in me? I mean, so if you could do a rerun on this and the storm's getting real bad and Jesus doesn't want us to get fearful and whatever, ah, he's in the back. I ain't worried about it. I mean, the whole group started going, you know what? We're going to be all right. Jesus probably would have just kept right on sleeping. They'd have went right through that storm. Okay. They were all filled with awe and said among themselves. Now, remember, they, didn't, they don't get it. Sometimes we don't get it either. Look at this. Who is this man that even the winds and sea obey him? See, today, there's so much liberalism in the church. They don't tell the story, and if somebody mentions it, they'll try to, well, you know, the reason the writer wrote this, he wrote it because it happened, but they'll try to say, no, nah, never. And then they go, oh, my God, tomorrow night we got weather, we got weather going to break out. We got storms breaking out. And I hope everybody has the, if you need to, uh, we can open up the church and we can all get in the basement. Don't even mention Jesus. And the pastor part-time selling tornado shelters. I mean, you'd be surprised. Somebody probably is. Good grief. I'm telling you, the church is, the church is, really mess them thumbs up, themselves up, their liberal philosophies about this when it got down to all this COVID stuff right now. This is so dumb. I tell you, in the, shall we say, the charismatic churches, those who pray for the sick and whatever, they're like, we never close our doors. <laughs> what for? If you're sick, get up here. We're going to lay hands. <gasps> no, no more laying hands on people. Put a mask on. Shoot. Jesus put his hands on a leper. It's ridiculous. But we're shining. We really are. There's a whole lot more shining. And it's, 
the liberals that are trying to control good churches that we had, solid churches, are all getting a dose of it right now. They're realizing, wait a minute, I need to get back to the Bible. Yeah, get back to the Bible. Richard, are you really sure? Yeah, look, look, just look. I brought it up because we're going to see it again in Matthew 5. Let's just go right to James. James was the literal brother of Jesus. Mary and Joseph had Jesus first, and they're either going to have girls or boys. Obviously, they had both. One of them was a fellow by the name of James. It's not the James and John that was a disciple. This James, that guy died. He died in the book of Acts. Uh, this is another one. Look at this. Can it be more plain? Look at 14. Is anyone sick? He should call and warn the church. <laughs> no. Call for the elders of the church. And they should pray. Let's just see if this works. They should pray over him and pour a little oil upon him, calling on the Lord. Nothing but the blood. No, it's got to be the fantastic deacons. No, uh-uh. Calling on the Lord to heal him. Look at this. And their prayer, you know, Lawrence Welk, the bouncing ball. And their prayer, <laughs> if offered in faith, didn't say if, it, if it's God's will, will heal him. For the Lord will make him well. Yeah, but he's made some mistakes. Hold on. And if his sickness was caused by some sin, the Lord will forgive him. Boy, end of discussion right there. And that's not the end of it. Look at the next one. Admit your faults one to another. We are not perfect. Pray for each other. Look at that. That you may be healed. Man, there should be so much healing. And there actually is. We're well this morning. He compares it with the earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power. Oh, I wonder who that, that powerful guy is. It's you. Now he compares you and I to Elisha. And guess what? He's fixed to talk about you and the weather. Don't ever think you can't stop that weather. You can. Elisha was completely human as we are. He didn't say Elisha was, oh my God. He's, he's just, no, he's just like us. Remember Elijah was the one that was going, I'm the only one left. Just kill me, God. I'm the last Christian alive. alive. And God said, I got 7,000 more just like you. Quit whining. Okay. And yet when he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. So earnestly has got something to do with faith. In other words, God, listen, brother so-and-so's got cancer. We're laying hands on him. and We want him well, Lord. We, we, no other way, Lord. We want him well. That's, earn, that's faith. That's all there is. Don't take no for an answer. Anyway, none fell for the next three and a half years. Woo. And when he prayed again that it would rain, it poured down and the grass turned green and the gardens began to grow. Say, well, man, well, why'd you want it to be? You ought to go read that story. Elijah was dealing with a king that was taking his kids and throwing them to the fire, worshiping a cow. Man, look at that. Anyway, so that's the background of that. Okay, so here we go. So let's go watch Jesus teach us all that everybody should be made whole. Well, how are we going to teach them a lesson? They don't need to be taught a lesson. I mean, mercy. People don't believe in Jesus. They're going to learn a lifetime, a long time lesson. That's a, it, holding back healing is not going to fix anything. Here we go. When they arrived on the other side of the lake, and I want to tell you up front, I just want to give you a little punchline first. He crossed this lake, went through a storm, for this guy only and goes back the other direction. So don't ever think Jesus won't come just to see you. When he gets there and fixes this guy, the people say, get out of here. Get away from us. So why did Jesus waste his campaign time? Because of you. There we go.
When they arrived on the other side of the lake, a demon-possessed man ran out of the graveyard just as Jesus was climbing from the boat. The man lived among the gravestones and had such strength that whenever they put handcuffs and shackles, as, off, as he often was, he snapped the handcuffs from his wrist and smashed the shackles and walked away. No one was strong enough to control him. All day long and through the night, he would wander through the tombs and in the wild hills, uh, screaming, I guess. Let's scroll down. Yeah, screaming and cutting himself with uh, sharp pieces of stone. Well, that's not very good. When Jesus was still, look, get this, get the picture. He's still out there. Cameras are rolling. He's out there in the water still. The man had seen him and run to meet him and fell before him. Then Jesus spoke to the demon within the man and said, Come out of him, you evil spirit. It gave a terrible scream, shrieking, What are you going to do to me? Jesus, son of the most high God, for God's sake, don't torment me. See, now that's the real truth about what we think about the mighty Satan, Lucifer. He is scared of you. Greater is he that's in you. He's, I'm telling you. What's your name? Jesus asked. And the demon replied, Legion, for there are many of us here within this man. Then the demon begged him again and again not to send them to some distant land. Now, as it happened, there was a huge herd of hogs rooting around on the hill above them. Now, of course, these demons, they're not very smart, are they? Look at this. Send us into the hogs, the demons big. Jesus said, knock yourself out, <laughs> which is what happened. He gave up our mission. Then the evil spirits came out of the man, entered the hogs. Whoa, can you imagine that? A whole herd. I think it was thousands of them. They plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. The herdsmen, remember, they're not like, well, we're not paying attention. These are shepherds, except it's for hogs. Man, they fled. I mean, can you imagine this? All of a sudden, their hogs are like demon-possessed. You know, ghostbusters. Anyway. They ran to the nearby towns and countryside, spreading the news as they ran. Everyone rushed out to see for themselves. Now, what were they saying? Oh, Jesus is here. Je no, they were saying, saying some demon dude, Lord of the demons or whatever is here. Everyone rushed out to see for themselves. And, when the, uh, and a large crowd soon gathered where Jesus was. But as they saw the man sitting there, fully clothed, perfectly sane, they were frightened. Jesus then immediately fed the 5,000. No, that's not what happened. Watch what happened. Those who saw what happening, happened were telling it to everyone, and the crowd began, look at that terrible thing, pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. God, I wish I had heard that in Sunday school class. I didn't hear all these stories. Like There was one story here in Luke chapter 4. They tried to throw Jesus off a cliff. I never heard that story. So he got back in the boat. Now wait, the man who had been possessed by the demons begged Jesus to let him go along. Wow, oh, watch this neat, neat, neat thing. Jesus said, hey, no. Now remember, Jesus came over here already. He's only helped one person. And now he sees a bunch of people. Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. He says, no. Go home to your friends. They're going to freak out. And tell them what wonderful things God has done for you and how merciful he has been. Praise God. Same thing to you and I. So the man started off for the 10 towns of that region and began to tell. <laughs> Don't you know they were, they thought he was like a zombie. Oh, you okay there? <laughs> You're not going to attack me, are you? Now remember, he could. He had the legion in him. Not anymore. 
So he began to tell everybody the great things Jesus had done for them, and they were all struck by his story. So you see that? He went six miles, went through a terrible thunderstorm, just helped that one guy. But, of course, he's going to wind up helping others. If you watch your book, Jesus is going to come sashaying around through here, and guess what happens next? The crowds bring out all their sick folks. They are, they're on board at this point. Anyway, when Jesus had gone across by boat to the other side of the lake, vast crowds gathered around him on the other side. Okay, he's fixing to teach them. Yeah, but it's not going to be the way you think. Look at this. He's going to teach them by saying, look, I want you well. The leader of a local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, came and fell down before him, pleading with him to heal his little daughter. That's something we could do because it's going to work. Let's see if that gets the Lord's attention. She's at the point of death, he said in desperation. Please come and place your hands on her and make her live. Well, obviously this guy knew he could do it, didn't he? Jesus went with him. Boy, the gospel's so personal, isn't it? And the crowd thronged behind. In the crowd. What is this here for? This is just... And you know what? This is not the only time either. Because they said anybody that touched him was made whole anyway. In the crowd was a woman who had been sick. And I, lo I love these things. Like the woman that was bowed over for, whatever, 13 years. This long-term stuff. Because it makes us sometimes think, I'll never get over it. I'll never get over it. I just, I'm just stuck with this. My neck's going to hurt the rest of my life. No, it's not. Mm -mm. It ain't. Keep believing God's word. Here we go. She suffered, oh, here we go. So she had been sick for 12 years with a hemorrhage. In other words, she's been bleeding. Okay. She had suffered much from many doctors through the years. Well, I'm sure they did the best they can, but now she become poor from paying them ah, and was no better. In fact, worse. She heard, this is where we get it. She heard about all the wonderful miracles Jesus did. Apparently, she figured they were future too. It wasn't like, well, boy, that was just one time is it, you know? No. That's why she came behind him through the crowd and touched his clothes. For she said to herself, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Now, why do we have that detail? Well, obviously, somebody talked to her and whatever. I know Jesus is going to in a minute. But she said she had made up her mind. If, if, I, if I could just touch him, this is the end of that, okay? So sure enough, as, as soon as she touched him, the bleeding stopped and she knew she was well. Again here, this is like Jesus coming all the way across the water for one person. Jesus realized at once. Remember, there's a crowd. Put it in your picture. Think, watching news tonight, you know, big crowd. And he's in the middle of it. He realized healing power had gone out of him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? His disciples, I mean, they get a load of this. All this crowd pressing around you and you're saying, who touched you? But he kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and told him what she had done. I mean, some people said, well, because she was bleeding, whatever. Man, people didn't care what you were doing. Don't go there. Well, the Jewish law, if you're bleeding, whatever. don't worry about that. They were not even in... Jewish law. I mean, the Jewish law had nothing going on at all at this point. All these people were coming from all over the world. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Look at this. Only temporary. It's only going to be a few days. No. Go in peace, healed of your disease. 
While he was still talking to her, messengers arrived from Jairus' home. Remember, he's on his way to go help Jairus' daughter. But look at this news. It was too late. Too late. And a lot of us think a lot of things are just too late. Ah, it's too late. It's too late. Don't give up. The reason we don't see many people get raised from the dead today, we all think it's too late. I never hear anybody going down to Laughlin Funeral Home and the other places and saying, we're not leaving. We're just going down there. I say, Richard, are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. We call it too late. We just think, well, it's the Lord's. And then we, have the, we already have a song picked out and all this kind of stuff. And I've been down there before. I mean, nothing happened, but at least I went. I had to, my, my, the kid's mother, her granddaddy, he was in his late, late 50s, died of a heart attack. I went down in the emergency room. They finally let me in there. He, he was green. <laughs> but I didn't care. I didn't care. And the doctor knew I was coming in there. He was a great guy. He actually believed like me too. We both stood there. And I just said, and there was another nurse guy there, and this doctor said, let him pray. And I just said, Lord, I said, I see what's going on here. I said, I said just, uh, Lord, I command him to come back to life in Jesus' name. Whatever. Anyway, I mean, this thing that happened here in the book of Acts, Peter did it. Paul did it. There was a guy that fell three stories down out of a window because Paul got long-winded. What would we do today? Preacher, you idiot. Don't you know that that 17-year-old, they'd just be so mad at the preacher. Paul went down there and the guy's life came back. Man, amazing. The woman in the book of Acts, her name was Dorcas. Anyway. While he was still talking to her, the messengers arrived from Jairus' home with the news. It was too late. His daughter was dead. And there was no point in Jesus coming now. But Jesus, look at this. <laughs> I mean, remember, he's God. He just ignored it. Said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Look, this is so good. Just trust me. King James says only believe. But uh, same thing. Only trust me. Jesus halted the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go on to Jairus' home except Peter and James and John. Do you realize how many verses? We're at 37, and we have no spiritual story yet. It's just history. That's right. Because Jesus wants to help you in your life. He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Anyway, when they arrived, Jesus saw that all was in great confusion with uh, unrestrained weeping and wailing. He went in the house and spoke to the people. Look what he says. Why is all this weeping and commotion? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. I mean, he is fixing to rock their boat to the core. They laughed at him in bitter derision. But he told them all to leave. And taking the girl's father and mother and the three disciples, he went into the room where she was lying. Now think about that. These three disciples are there to see what's going on. He actually, in the the 10th chapter here, well, not the 10th chapter, uh, it's coming up. He's going to tell them, when you go into a city, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. Oh, don't say it, Jesus. Yeah, he is. He said, raise the dead. Jesus stopped a funeral one time, got all the way up to the casket, opened it up, got the boy out of there and took him back to his his mother. Whoa. How can that be? He's God and he's on our side. Anyway. Taking her by the hand, he said, hey, get up, little girl. She was about 12. She jumped up. and She's in sixth grade, whatever. You remember those days? She jumped up and walked around. Her parents just couldn't get over it. <laughs> now, don't think there's anything to do spiritual about this. Now, he just, I mean, he's holding this girl. 
They're all going nuts. Jesus instructed them very earnestly not to tell what happened and told them, hey, why don't you give her something to eat? <laughs> no, there's ain't going to work unless she has something to eat. Oh, man. It's just life. Praise God. Boom. Chapter 6. Here we go. Well, say chapter 6. There we go. Soon afterwards, in other words, right after that, he left that section of the country and returned with the disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. All right, he's back in his own home, home territory. The next Sabbath, he went into the synagogue to teach. And the people were astonished at his wisdom and his miracles because he was just a local man like themselves. Look at, look at this. He's no better than we are, they said. He's just their carpenter, Mary's boy. And brother of, see, we just read it, James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. There's all his brothers. And there's those girls. And his sisters live right here with us. They were offended. Can you imagine that? Don't you know Mary and Joseph, mom and dad, they had to, Joseph had that dream. The angel said, you're going to have a son <laughs> and you need to name him Jesus. Okay. And then I need you to hightail it to Egypt. But, I mean, all this history they had. Mary finds herself pregnant and she knew she didn't mess with nobody. And she had the angel visit her saying, hey, you're going to have a child and he's going to be the holy one. Even Joseph was told that his son was going to be the lamb. He was going to save their people from their sins. So here we go. Everybody's mad. Jesus said, well, I'll tell you what. A prophet, he's honored everywhere except in his hometown among his relatives, his own family. Oh, no. Look at that. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any mighty miracles among them. Now, wait a minute. Except for healing. He laid, a hands on, he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. Anyway, he could hardly accept the fact that they wouldn't believe in him. Well, they just hard, no, hard-headed, weren't they? And then he went out among the villages teaching. He caught, oh no, this can't be true. Yeah. He called his 12. He sent them out. To, well, he was there to help. No, they went by themselves. Two by two to cast out demons. He told them, hey, don't take anything. Take nothing ex except a walking stick. Don't take any food. Don't take a knapsack. Don't take any money. Uh, see, we need a GoFundMe account, you know. No, just go. Let the miracles happen. Not even an extra pair of shoes. The night before Jesus died, when they all had communion together, Jesus said, hey, when I sent y'all out two by two, did y'all ever lack for anything? And they go, we never lack for a thing. <laughs> he brought this up. He didn't tell them at that point. He said, well, tonight... If you got a nine millimeter, you might want to take it. They said, well, we got a couple, a couple of swords. Anyway, stay at home in each, stay at home in each village. Don't shift around from house to house while you're there. And whenever a village won't accept you or listen to you, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave. As it, uh, it is a sign that you have abandoned it to its fate. So the disciples went out and boy, they blew it. They couldn't, do, no, they didn't blow it. Look what happened. Telling everyone they met to turn from sin. They cast out many demons, heal many sick people. Now, do you see the connection between sin and healing? Well, he's only going to heal the perfect ones. No. <laughs> he's to... We're all blowing it, okay? So anyway, they cast out many demons, heal many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. King Herod soon heard about Jesus, for his miracles were talked about. The king thought Jesus was, and this is weird, 
He thought Jesus was John the Baptist come back to life again. That's because they believed in all kind of reincarnation, kind of the cool thing at this time. We say that, well, Phil, don't you think in your previous life that you were a plumber? And we joke about it. We'll go, yeah, I think my previous life I was a firefighter, you know. That's the same thing they're saying here, you know. No wonder he can do such miracles. Others thought Jesus was Elijah, the ancient prophet. See, we just read about him, okay. Now returned to life again. Still others claimed he was a new prophet, like the great ones of the past. No, Herod said, it's John. It's the man I beheaded. He's come back from the dead. Well, really? Now you get a little story about what happened. For Herod sent soldiers to arrest and imprison John because he kept saying it was wrong for the king to marry Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Herodias wanted John killed in revenge, but without Herod's approval, she was powerless. And Herod respected John, knowing he was a good and holy man. He kept him under protection. Herod was disturbed whenever he talked to John, but even so, he liked to listen to him. It was getting to him, wasn't it? Anyway, Herodias, that's his brother Philip's wife. She finally had her chance. It was Herod's birthday, and he gave a stag party for his palace aides, army officers, leading citizens of Galilee. Then Herodias' daughter came out, danced before them, and greatly pleased him. Okay. Ask me for anything you like, the king vowed. Even half my kingdom, I'll give it to you. Well, she went out and she talked to mom. And mom said, hey, you asked for John the Baptist's head. So she hurried back to the king and told him, and I'll stop here. You know, we, we got a lot of stuff. We got Broadway movies and stuff. They used this story. It was fake. Well, why'd Broadway do it, you know? They... they <laughs> They know what's going on. Anyway, here we go. Uh, I want the head of John the Baptist right now on a tray. Well, the king was sorry, but he was embarrassed to break his oath in front of his guests. So he sent one of his bodyguards uh, to the prison to cut off John's head and bring him. Yuck. The soldiers killed John in prison and brought back his head on a tray. And they gave it to the girl and she took it to her mother. When John's disciples heard what happened, boy, they came uh, for his body and buried it in a tomb. Look at this. The apostles, we're going to stop here. Baby. The apostles now returned to Jesus from their tour and told him all they had done and what they had said to the, pe said to the people they visited. Then Jesus said, hey, let's get away from the crowds for a while. Well, let's see how this works out. So many people were coming and going that uh, they scarcely had time to eat. So they left by vote, by vote, by boat for a, quiet, more, for a quieter spot. But many of the people saw him leaving, and they ran on ahead along the shore, and they met him as they landed. Oh, my God, please, give us a break. Is that the way Jesus is? Uh-uh. We think that in our mind. We just, I, I, it needs to be on God's timing. <laughs> Look, if you're hurting, just ask God for help. And don't leave till you get it. As the usual vast crowd was there as he stepped from the boat. I mean, you, the only break he got was going across the water. That's okay. Okay, that was probably a nice little break, whatever. It didn't matter. He had pity on them because they were like, look at that, sheep without a shepherd. And he taught them many things they needed to know. Late in the day, uh, late in the afternoon, Jesus' disciples came and said, hey, tell the people to go away to nearby villages and farms and buy them some food. There's nothing to eat in this desolate spot. It's getting late. Jesus said, hey, you feed them. <laughs> With what? They said he would take a fortune to buy food. That's just amazing. Jesus said, you feed them. So he says, how much food we got? Go find out. They came back, said, well, here's five loaves and two fish. 
<laughs> you know their hearts in this. They've never seen this happen before. They're like, go show him. Oh, my goodness. They came back and they said, all right, then Jesus told the crowd to sit down. Soon colorful groups of 50 and 100 were sitting in the grass. And I think that's interesting. Matthew says that the Lord said, or it's Luke. Matthew or Luke, one of them said that the Lord said, put them in groups of 50 and 100. You think, why is that? Well, you could easily count how many people were there. Was that you or me? Yeah. How many? <laughs> the Lord's getting us, he's straightening out the number. We had to get it right. But you could easily count. So, oh, that's 100. I counted 20 groups of 100. <gasps> oh, that would be what? 2,000? Okay. How many 50s did you get? It's easy to figure out how many were there. Anyway, soon colorful groups of 50 and 100 each were sitting in the grass. He took the five loaves, two fish, looking up to heaven. He gave thanks for the food. Breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave some of the bread and fish to each disciple to place before the people. And what happened here? And the crowd ate till they could hold no more. Man, they had Chick-fil-A on the spot. Good grief. Wow. There were about 5,000 men there for that meal. And afterward, 12 basket scraps full of scraps were picked up off the grass. Man. Immediately after Jesus instructed his disciples to get into the boat and strike out across the lake to Bethsaida. Okay, now he told his disciples to go. You know what's going to happen here. He's not in the boat. Where he would join them later. He would stay, he would stay and tell the crowds goodbye and get them started home. That's kind of neat, you know. Afterward, he went up into the hill to pray. During the night, as the disciples, I mean, I want to know what happened on, on, in the hill to pray. No need. Just don't forget your prayer life, okay? Look at the history. This is what the Bible wanted us to get. During the night, as the disciples were in the boat out in the middle of the lake, he was alone on the land. He saw they were in, look at that, serious trouble. Boy, and if I was the preacher my granddaddy wanted me to be, that would be my text. And I would say, you know, and when the Lord sees you're in serious trouble, then I would bark and yell for 30 minutes right here, whatever. <laughs> I'd rather do it this way. We get that point because that's good. Look at this. They were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the time frame. Now, remember, he saw them out there with trouble. He walked out. Oh, my goodness. Now, remember, he's God. He's God in the flesh. He created everything. This is so easy. Look at this. He started past them. I guarantee you it's like the wake of a boat. He's clearing it out for him. I mean, everything was great. No one, at first, he saw him in trouble. He went out there. He's already had peace be still in the other storm they had. Everything. Of course, when they saw something walk, <laughs> walking along beside him. Yeah, hey, Jesus. Hey, whoa. Not supposed to be walking on the water. They screamed in terror thinking it was a ghost. For they all saw him. But he spoke to him. Look, he said, hey, it's all right. It's all right. Praise God. What we need to know, too. It's I. Don't be afraid. Look at that. He climbed, <laughs> he climbed into the boat, and all of a sudden, it's calm as could be. They just sat there, unable to take it in. They didn't realize who he was. Even after the miracle that, see, that's why you got to keep track of it. They just had the 5,000. They still, for they just didn't want to believe. They're having trouble with it. Then they arrived at Gennesaret on the other side of the lake. They moored the boat and climbed out. The people, oh, I'm getting the wrong idea about Jesus. I'm getting the idea Jesus wants to heal people. Oh, uh, hello. The people standing around there recognized him and ran throughout the whole place. You notice where this place is? 
where he was not too long ago. One of the ten towns. Everybody now is flying around trying to find people who are sick. They began carrying sick folk to him on mats and stretchers. Wherever he went, in villages, cities, out on the farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him to let them at least touch the fringes. That's what that woman did. Fringes of his clothes, and as many as touched him were healed. Wow. Now we're going to stop right there. Look at that. Wow. Over and over and over again. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We think we can see what Jesus was doing. We get a glimpse of what took place. And we just thank you for it. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, Lord, if we're not feeling good, we just saw everyone. When you're healing people, you told your disciples to heal them. You take care of our bodies, whatever shape they're in right now. Lord, just help us right now. Same thing's true financially. Take care of us financially in the midst of all this stuff and whatever's going on and um, problems that might be facing this world. Take care of us, Lord. And uh, if it's some other problem, great or small, whatever it is, just you'll get us out of trouble. We just thank you for it. So that didn't leave anything left for us to keep track. Make a diary. Tell other people about great things you've done for us as we tell about Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all.